This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes, the second half of the week show where we talk 205 NXT US and NXT UK. My name is Chris Dovenbrino. Joining me as always is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, how you doing? I am uh, I'm happy to be talking wrestling as opposed to work. Okay, well, that's good, that's good. It's good to be decompressing. I am mm, yes. happy to be talking wrestling with you, as always. I always look forward to our little chats here in the middle of the week. And I think we're going to do a little Saturday taping of a Patreon episode here. We're going to do a little WCW circa 1992-1993. This is Mach 2, Take 2, because one of us, Jeff, screwed up the audio uh, when they were recording it and, and really mucked things up, Jeff. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> No, but you know the trick well, is, Jeff, is if I say it pointedly that like that, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, it, no, it, no, I'll take the burial. No, I'll take no, the burial no, it just for throws everybody purposes. off. It's a little bit of Aikido. Mm-hmm. It's a little jujitsu, is what it is. Um, but we have the cleanup section here, Jeff. Was there anything that you did not hit in the early part of the week that you wanted to hit now? I don't think there is, other than uh, two quick things. I I remember Dash Wilder posted uh they, they they had some couple kids had gotten like tag team belts for like their birthday i think they were twins and and dash wilder said something like oh don't they're just full of disappointment and sadness and it just broke my heart Aww. it broke my heart that dash was doing but the only other thing was that reddit thing that came up and god knows you always have to take reddit with a with a whole shaker full of salt down your gullet, but the 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 plan for the triple threat match, or the original plan, was for Becky to win, and then Charlotte and Ronda and Becky to all hug, and for Stephanie to come down there and to have a nice curtain call type moment. I went, man, if you want if you want that match to get crapped on, don't let make people have to share the moment with Becky. Yeah, no, it brings Stephanie down at the end because that will get booed mercilessly the entire time she walks from the entryway to the ring. And but, if that crowd doesn't Chris, like something, created, they'll be deafening. She created the women's evolution, Chris. Right, right. We, we, we should can't be thanking her for creating the women's <laughs> evolution. We should be thanking her for creating women. She created all women. These women should be thanking this woman for letting them be women. Harriet Tubman, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Caddy Stanton, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> it's powerful. It's a powerful. It's like a Mount There's Rushmore, your Rushmore right there. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I just, I was like, I read that I went, man, that would, that sounds so stupid. And then I went and I looked at it again. I went, man, that sounds like exactly what they do. <laughs> Of course we have to thank Stephanie for this glorious triple threat match. Thank you, Stephanie. Is there any news that has and broken th- out since the beginning of the week? I haven't I haven't seen a lot of it. Um 
because I've just been busy with work. So if anything breaks in the observer or something, I'll clean up later. I, I just, I, uh, just going back to it. Look, I liked the curtain call at B- Takeover Brooklyn between the horse women because all the media and stuff that focused on their friendship, I thought that was kind of cool. When they went back to the well with the Iron Women match and they had the flowers and the crying, I was like, I'm done with the crying. All right? I get it. It's a special moment. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the match. I realized how groundbreaking it was. But the pageantry and stuff is taking me out of being able to legitimately be happy for them having this kind of match. Because it feels so forced upon. And the old school wrestling mentality of me says that whenever you have a big, glorious moment like that, it has to end one way. A heel comes out and ruins it to set up the next wrestling angle. <laughs> We're going to get into a bit of that, I think, when we discuss NXT. Because I have a question for you about that. I, I don't know if we want to segue directly into NXT since it was the most exciting of the shows. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Let's do it. There was a lot of... Oh, you want yeah, to? Yeah, let's go right... No, because okay. we can pick up anywhere. We can go back to 205 Live. This is a place of freedom, Jeff, where, where we could explore <laughs> all of the dimensions of wrestling. Okay, I will... I- I will ask you this then, since, since we've naturally segued. What did you think of the behind the scenes stuff on Tommaso Ciampa and his surgery? So I'm of two minds on this. The more traditional mindset says keep him heel, don't do this thing with the family and the kid and having him be a good dad and be sentimental and everything because you've built him up as this bad guy the whole way down. However, WWE is pretty consistent that when an injury sidelines somebody and potentially sidelines them indefinitely, I mean, this is a neck injury. This is a neck surgery in Tommaso Ciampa. It looks like we'll make a recovery, but there's always a bit of a question mark there. WWE does tend to drop the veil a little bit here, and they may want to, whenever Tommaso Ciampa comes back, and that's also an indefinite timetable, take him in a different direction. So I don't hate that. The crowd wanted to clap and cheer for Tommaso Ciampa going into his surgery, so... I'm kind of on board with not fighting against that and going with the grain here. However, I I also get those who want him to stay heel and say that he has been a heel this whole time, should always be presented as a heel the whole way down. And, you know, when you're a heel, you don't get these type of video packages. I get that argument. I I just, I don't think that this was a wrong way to approach it. I'm I'm still on the fence because old school me says you don't show this yet. You use the news that he's in the hospital getting surgery to put over the toughness and the beating that Johnny Gargano put on him. And and then also just it, there's something about the way they presented it, which makes which because it's WWE and because they've always kind of had a. For lack of a better term, they, they've had a nonchalant attitude towards telling you, towards telling you none of this is real. It, it's, it's more of Reality a, crept a TV in show. was a bit of a subtlety well, this hammer. Is a t- well, this is a TV show and he just plays a bad guy on TV. He's not really a bad guy. Here's his family and wife and he's getting life-threatening surgery. And, you know, if you're going to do a tribute to him, I would have saved this kind of video for a couple 
weeks down the road. Maybe he could come by for an appearance and get the adulation. This should just be its own standalone WWE 24. I I think that the real grievance here, if you want to go that route, is that you're putting it into NXT canon on the TV side. But, But again... I can justify that depending on how they choose to relaunch him. Like, if you want to relaunch him as a conquering hero, the guy who never lost the belt, who had the belt taken away from him by his neck and by his body, um, I mean, this is a good narrative for that, or a good chapter one of that. Yes, it is. It is, and we've seen them blow that, too, with Seth Rollins. Sure, sure. <laughs> but but for me, I mean, but this is also how they present NXT, is we're all family, we're all into this scrappy mom-and-pop indie promotion together. It's about the brand, and, you know, Jeff. We know th- and we know bad guys aren't really bad guys. They're just playing that on TV. There's, there's a kind of ironic detachment part that I really... Well, it fits with the audience, I, I, right? Yeah, I, I get, I get it. I just, I'm still not sure how, I, I mean, it's a nice thing and it's a nice tribute to him. And I, and I understand that, but I, I'd much rather, if you're going to give him a tribute, let him do it when he can enjoy it. You don't need to necessarily make an angle of it, but you know what? He can come in and they go, I'll be back. And then at that time, I'll let you know if I'm a devious guy or a good guy or you save this video for when you want to emotionally manipulate people. Yes. I guess. I'm on board with that, I but, it to but be more again, carny. again, more carny. if this is the yeah. start of the emotional manipulation, like if this is chapter one and, and we want this to be on people's minds, I'm fine with it. I, I'll be able to judge it more fully when he comes back, but my initial impression is just don't have this on NXT canon, have it as a 24 special, and then that kind of leaves you the out of if you want to weave this footage back in later, you can do it, and you've already shot it. That said, backstage vignettes... Are just I, I do the do the people at Full Sail actually write these sometimes? Because I just I get so annoyed by the uh, it, it's weird because it's almost like it's taking place on a high school campus, but at the same time they also have some production things that make me question. Like Kathy Kelly, every time she does one of these things, and I mention this every time, so I, I'm just being a dead horse at this point. Her microphone is never on. That's a prop of some kind and then the talent that she's talking to when they start talking are mic'd up either with a lapel mic or the boom mic is turned on but it's just ridiculous to hear the echo in the hallway and then kona reeves comes out and he has a microphone on and and you can hear him well and then kathy kelly goes back to sounding like she's in a tin can trying to broadcast on a professional wrestling show it's absolutely Ridiculous. I, I, I'm happy that we we got Kona Reeves feedback on the Fatal Five way. Oh, I was going to say, Thank you God. said, I'm happy that we got Kona Reeves, and I was like, where is this sentence going? Oh, no. It's not a feeling I have sarcasm. regularly. But, um, yes, he's here. And then the, and then Forgotten the, Sons and then come the, out, and they say that they've been forgotten, which to me is the one piece of dialogue that they can't ever say, otherwise they turn into a parody. <laughs> It's like taboo. You can't say that phrase. That combined with the Tomax and Zaymot style promo. I don't know if you get that right. No, no. Uh, what are okay. okay on the old GI on the old GI Joe cartoon? Cobra, the villains, had a set of twins on there called Tomax and Zaymot. Tomax, T O M A X. Yeah, no, no. I get Zaymot, it. They T-A-M-O-T. they reverse. Yeah, I see. 
they reverse, but they would also always finish each other's and then they together say sentences type of thing. These types of promos where, and you can see them giving each other eyeball cues when, the, okay, here's the part, looks at the guy, of the sentence, looks at the guy, that is mine. You know, they have all, no team chemistry, also- dude. Blake <laughs> and Cutler just feel like two guys who work together. I, they they Cutler, have no they should just let talk affinity. Cutler, yeah, Cutler actually has a certain presence to him here. Uh, you know, uh, but they need one designated talker. I, I thought it was going to be Gunner. It probably shouldn't be Gunner. Yeah, but it, it needs to be Cutler. And he was initially presented to us, Jeff, as the leader. Remember that was a little commentary note at one point. It needs to be yeah. one person talking. Or if you're gonna do the Blake and Cutler thing where they finish each other's sentences, one you need to do it with guys who are better at speaking than these two because that just requires a very gifted level of dialogic command, like Edge and Christian level. And these guys are not Edge and Christian. Well, I'll tell you what the what the issue is because Cutler is cutting a promo as Steve Cutler, you know, a guy, a man who you know he's saying these words, but his tone is is I'm a real person. He just needs to be bitter. Blake, like, they just need to be well, bitter is what they need to be. But but let, but let me fi- finish my point here. Blake comes in as Wesley Blake, sports entertainer, pretending to be a biker. He snarls. It's They're ragey. And, like, I just need these guys to be in a constant bad mood and perpetually have the feeling that they're being slighted and being screwed. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that too. Uh, <laughs> I and then she and then Kathy Kelly walks and 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 we get to the photo shoot with and we get the uh, NX return of NXT High School between Mega Jock Bianca Belair and our two foreign exchange students Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai. So let me give a hat tip to Kyrie. She had a lot of dialogue to carry here, and I thought she did admirably. <laughs> Oh, she's adorable doing it. It's still big sister, little sister with her and EO. But all they talk about is we're going to win the title. We're good. And we're going to remain friends. That's that's the crux of their entire. Promos you can see this turn coming from a mile away, but it's still going to be fun. Yeah, it's still going to be fun. But it's just like I wish they'd give a little bit them a little bit more to do than just smiley tee hee hee type of uh more or less stereotype stuff. This is the um, problem but- with that women's roster, too, is that the the top of it, they've all clashed and touched at various points at this point, so they don't need to have more matches. Really, all that's kind of available to you are these little holding pattern NXT high school type interviews until we get to the match at TakeOver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, then we got into this five-way to take on Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver, and I'll just begin from the end. The absolute, I absolutely loved the way that this match ended. I loved Ricochet hits his finisher. He's running on adrenaline. He gets the deep pin, and he's kind of celebrating at the same time. And Adam Cole comes in with the knee to the back of the head, as opposed to, like, throwing him out of the ring and stealing the pin. 
And then he just lays on top of him. I absolutely adored that finish. Yeah, no, the down the stretch on this match was just awesome. Everybody was doing everything. And even though you look at the personnel on this match and it felt like kind of a foregone conclusion that Adam Cole was the person who was going to be coming out of it because everyone else has dance partners going into this NXT card. It didn't take away from the journey for me. I, I enjoyed all of this. Yeah, the, the the only the notes I had that I didn't enjoy um, are are few and mostly cosmetic. Like, like one of the weird things to me was looking at the gra- graphic for the match and seeing Velveteen Dream's belt picture, and thinking he needs to he needs to be far more quote unquote championship material. Velveteen Dream rather than dude in a do-rag. I thought the cutoff you know, t-shirt the- was a little blasé for the Velveteen Dream at this stage of the game. Like, the North American Championship really needs to be going to this guy's head. And I did appreciate yes. the video package where he talked about becoming double champion, but I would have even liked it a little bit more. Like, talking about how he's going to be that first grand double champion. Just really lean into it, because that seems to me to be the Dream's real quest on here on NXT. He wants to unify both belts. Not unify them, but have both. This is when he needs to embrace the prince aspects of this character he originally had. He needs a belt-carrying person. Like, a person who comes out and carries the belt for him. Well, just, just, you know, he's no longer eccentric, you know, dressing up like he's in a sketch comedy troupe, you know, with a sailor's hat and then, you know, like a leotard and whatever, you know, weird costuming choices he can make in the bag. I want him to come off as a champion. Uh, yeah, all these vignettes I thought were really good. Um, I thought Adam Cole's was outstanding. Adam Cole has such that, that flair presence in terms of of carrying himself as being a leader of a heel faction that I love. I am <laughs> I am a little bit flummoxed by Matt Riddle. I like Matt Riddle. I could see them turning on him in a dime, though with the uh he comes out with the, the pink, pink flip flops. I know. And just the thumbs up at the belt like, hey guy, I know this is all a clown show, bro. But at the same time, in the course of the match, you could see there were parts where he was really giving off rage. Like this whole bro thing is just something to kind of lure you in. That is kind of where we're going with this character. And I'm trying to figure out how deliberative it is. Because you're even seeing that a little bit in the promos, too, where it's like the bro thing is a bit of a lure until we get into the real Matt Riddle, who's a very, very intense guy. And and I think if they want to do that, when he goes into intense mode, it needs to go even more so. Because, yeah, in between the ropes, dude, Matt Riddle's totally getting it done. He's good. I, I just think a little more precision on the character so that the whimsy stuff and the bro stuff doesn't totally overtake the in-ring work. Right. I And Ricochet and Aleister Black are great, and they're playing the entire... Tag team that'll eventually have to face with each other. But no, this match hit all the notes. You know, you had your temple, of d- your tower of the temple of doom. Oh, tower it was like a temple of doom spot. at that point with that many people. You can call it that. You know, everybody hits their finishers in succession. But man, that ending. I was watching this on an elliptical and I popped hard for it because I was like, thank God they didn't do just the stolen finish. It was actually a lack of awareness and it made sense. And I love... 
I loved Matt Riddle's post-match look like he was angry about what happened. Everybody else is just kind of exhausted, and he's just kind of really ticked Well, off. he's I, mad I because nice Adam Cole too. pulled the referee out of the ring and stole right. the match from him because he had Velveteen yeah. Dream in a tapping predicament. Yeah, he just wasn't playing, you know, dude bro then. But, you know, a fun episode of NXT. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, the next couple of weeks building to the uh building to Brooklyn. I'm I'm uh I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh I I have predictions for Brooklyn, but we'll we'll get there when we get there. So in the interim, do you want to go to NXT UK or do you want to go to two oh five live? I have more to talk about on NXT UK, so let's get two oh five out of the way. Let's do two oh five live. So this began with Mike Kanellis versus Akira Tozawa. Kanellis has shaved his head now, fully. And he had a match with Akira Tozawa that he ends up winning after Maria gets up on the apron and she doesn't, like, interfere, per se, in terms of laying her hands on Akira Tozawa, but does block him from climbing onto the turnbuckle. I didn't like this spot because the referee is seeing all of this. And sure, Maria's not putting her hands on Akira Tozawa, but she's interfering with the match in a visible way. And sort of the traditional hashtag the rules of wrestling say that she would get thrown out from ringside at minimum. It's main roster garbage on 205 Live, and I don't want that. I, I really don't. I don't want the kind of sports entertainment chicanery, the pretty girl you know, distracts the guy and he just becomes a complete and total moron so that, you know... Mike Canellis can then take advantage, but I, I don't, I don't see this as a as a push for Mike Canellis because I could just see him losing in two weeks, right? Again, also, it, 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 this has becomes the story of who's going to finally beat Mike Canellis to get him fired, type of thing. That's what it feels like to me. I'm not positive on that, but that's what it feels like. To yeah, me. I don't know, um, because I'm thinking we might have a new champion here after WrestleMania. And then that could theoretically elevate Mike Kanellis into relevance because he would have a baby face to contend with here. So that that might be the bigger picture here, but it still could be who gets Mike Kanellis fired. However, defeating Akira Tozawa, former cruiserweight champion, or yeah, former cruiserweight champion, I think is uh, a tell. But we'll see. But we'll see. It's so weird because I thought they were heating. Tozawa That's what I thought, too. For a while yeah, there. I, I thought the plan was the Brian Kendrick is rebuilding Akira Tozawa, who kind of has been doing the bunny hop here a little bit, and this was going to be a meaningful W for Tozawa as he moves his way back up the roster, but it's not, and we're building heels right now, so I, that may be a tell as to where we're going um, with other programs. Oh, I don't know about that. We have a six-man tag with the Lucha House Party next week, Chris. I am looking forward to that. Don't you? Who are they facing? <laughs> I forgot. Okay. <laughs> well, but I, I told you. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really good. <laughs> I don't know. I saw that. I went, oh, okay. So they're oh, still it's Drew Gulag, Jack guys. Gallagher, and Umberto Carrillo. So next week, we're going to see where Umberto Carrillo's at. So there's some intrigue there. See, Jeff, you weren't interested in it. I was. I was right. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get more more of that progression of that storyline. But then we get to uh, 
Cedric versus Tony Nice to see who gets the rights to wrestle Buddy Murphy on the pre-show on hour one, probably. Um, <laughs> I say that derisively just because... Look, I've been to the last three WrestleManias. It's always been one of the better matches, but it was it's always been on the pre-show. It's placed in a very tough spot for it to get maximum crowd somewhere. connection yeah. and crowd interest. Yeah. And and you want this match at Mania to have that kind of sizzle. Um, and Nice and Murphy can both deliver that kind of match. And, and if they kill themselves, they might be able to connect with these fans. Because Although, think about the uphill battle that this match had. Yes, right. You've... You had you had just gotten through that SmackDown taping where Kofi Kingston went through a gauntlet match and they yanked that away from this crowd. So this crowd is already a little salty to begin with. And then you followed up with a Mike Kanellis match against Akira Tozawa, which wasn't a bad but match. But had that per goofy se, little finish ended, that makes you roll your eyes yeah. as though you just wasted your time watching this. Um and then this match now you're out- kind of starts off a little bit slow. Like the the tail end of this match is awesome. This is a really good match in the back five to seven minutes of it. But that little opening stretch was very WWE with a lot of rest holds. Yeah, but but I mean, just all, in terms of the, the the participants, you have Tony Nese, who you're building a redemption story about, but people are still not certain if they're supposed to cheer or boo him. And then you have Cedric Alexander, who has had absolutely no character development. Since Mustafa Ali left. Right, and, and you don't really want to turn him. I, and I guess at the tail end of this match, this is supposed to be a little defining loss for Cedric Alexander. There's a lot of agony of defeat that we lingered on here. But they needed to be a little bit further along in the story of Cedric is starting to lose his grip on being a decent guy. And also, a little bit further along with... Tony has been misunderstood. He's a hardworking dude who likes to grind it out in the gym. And, you know, just a little bit more of like, yeah, he's got abs, but he also earned those abs. He goes to the gym and works them out. That sort of thing. Getting us behind this guy as our champion because he works hard. Yeah, he's more than just a, you know, basically a a guy that Vince would love if he was a foot taller. You know, give, give, him, the, give him the work ethic stuff. Show him at the gym. Have, have some of this stuff. Build up that. Have him will. say, "I had to get this body because I'm not a foot taller, and if I wasn't, if yes. I didn't have this, Vince never would have looked at me, and that's why I, that's mm-hmm. why I look the way I do. And this is all about hard work. And my body, what it represents, is hard work. Because right now, what it feels like is, oh, he's from New York, so he's getting the chance to win the belt in New York. Um, and it's not a bad story to tell. But even then, uh, this if match, you do that, right, then have him talk more about how important it would be yeah. to win the title in his hometown with his parents there, how he's a proud New York mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. little story of Tony yep. Nese getting into professional wrestling um, in his teenage years, show him in New York City, like maybe point at a WrestleMania side as six years old if you got that kind of picture, but that's where you want to go. Yeah, this match, the, the drama was built in the second half, and the drama was built on big moves and kickouts. Big move, kickout, big move, kickout, big move, kickout, faking them out. Faking them out to the point where they 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 loved it, but they also weren't sure if it was ever going to yes. end. Yes, and then when it ended, that finishing sequence, the one knee that looped out Cedric, and then Tony goes and hits the running knee, 
that's a fine finisher for him, but what he really needed to do was eliminate any doubt with Cedric Alexander and, like, hit him with it twice or three times. Like, like he really should have gone all out because he wanted to punch his ticket to WrestleMania. And what he did there was a nice setup and, and could have even worked if commentary had called it a little bit differently. Like, basically sort of fudged it a little bit and said that first knee that he did to set up the running knee was a variation of his, you know, signature running knee. But they didn't do that, and so when the match ended, I think people were a little surprised because that running knee kind of comes out of nowhere and doesn't have a ton of sizzle on it. I was fine with that, though. I See, I, I'm, I'm differing on that because to me it was like it's a knee that you do out of desperation when you're so exhausted anyways as opposed to doing it full speed with a lot of snap. I They weren't telling that story. I just want him screaming his ass off as he's running to hit that okay. last knee, is what I'm saying. I, I want it to be very dramatic. That's his move. That's his finishing move. I, I'm not saying don't do that move and instead do you know his other signature moves, the 450 or something. I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying when you're doing it, he needs to look at Cedric Alexander like, I need to go through this human being right now because through him lies my title. Yeah, I, I liked Aiden English putting over early in the match that Cedric didn't need this win to be respected in the division because he's already been to the top of the mountain. He's already been to WrestleMania. And Tony Nese really needed it more. I thought that was a nice little touch. The rest of the commentary wasn't as, as great as, as that, but it, it was a nice touch to kind of say, hey, Cedric, even if he loses, is going to be okay here. Um and that Tony really needed it for character development, and I kind of agree with that. <laughs> no, you know, the other thing, though, is this will work really nicely if Cedric takes this. Actually, you know, I don't like that. Here's why I don't like that. I don't like that because at the end of the match, Cedric Alexander is going through the agony of defeat and losing to Tony Nese was killing him. And, like, I like the handshake spot that was important to establish for the audience that Tony Nese is now a good guy and a good sport and everything. But having Aiden English say Cedric Alexander doesn't really need this win is sort of contraproductive to him crying and being really emotional at the end of this match. Unless, the asterisk around the unless, unless you want to kind of tell a story over how Cedric Alexander has taken this loss really personally, but he never really needed to win the title here to be a good person. And that's kind of where you're starting Cedric's heel turn story. I don't think they're doing that, so I'm going to say I think this is actually I don't think they're ever turning Cedric. I don't. I think he's going to be this good guy for life pretty much in this in this division boring I, I i get that but i mean everybody's kind of boring in this division in some way that's because they don't get switched up every so often if you have a small roster you need to occasionally move people around personality i would have liked if they had given just tony the moment and then faded out i didn't need the buddy murphy involvement here they kind of clobbered you over the head with Tony Nese is the good guy going into this, and and the fact that you did the Buddy Murphy clobber moment this week belies the fact that you're not confident that the crowd will fully connect with Tony Nese next Look, week. Look, we know Buddy Murphy's gonna gonna jump him or demand that he give up the title shot or whatever. We know that's gonna happen because Buddy Murphy. That should have been the open of next week's 205 Live, where Buddy Murphy has like the Tony Nese celebration party. 
and brings out Tony Nese. He has balloons, talks about how great Tony Nese is. Maybe he shows us the New York video package then, and then at the end of it, he beats the hell I out of Tony I didn't even Nese. need anything that big. I just needed him to fume for a week. You know, just 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 come out and go, okay, Tony's going to be challenging me. What does that do to our friendship? You know what? Screw it. I don't need the friendship. And then just beat him up. I mean, I, I but just especially for this Indianapolis crowd, give them the moment without having it yanked out from them again because of the Kofi thing, too. Because everything I'm looking at is through the vision of they just went through a story where they had put invested in a guy and then had it taken away. Let's not do that for the show they're taping right afterwards. Anything else on 205 Live, or is it time to move on to your favorite, my favorite, everyone's favorite, NXT UK? Uh, it's time to move on. Okay. Let's move on. This show began with Pete Dunne and his stubborn refusal to wear socks, <laughs> meeting with Johnny Saint and Sid Scala to discuss who his next title contender is going to be. And Pete Dunne said, quite simply, I want Walter. I, I was shocked. It, it, I mean... Who could have this seen has that really com- come I mean, out of nowhere? That yeah, I, I don't. I thought Eddie Dennis for sure. I thought you know what? I'd like to defend this title at NXT UK take or at NXT Takeover Brooklyn against Ashton Smith. I think I got a good shot against that guy. Yeah, he's a hard worker. He's got a great chant. Love the chant, and uh, I just want to come out hear those whoops. Get this hardworking fellow. That's what they put over on the commentary. He works hard. Give this hardworking hard worker. A, that said, a I'm all in. Whoop. I'm all in for the match. I I, I want I, this match is gonna kill. Oh yeah, no, this, this match gonna be is great. gonna kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 it's if they do the handoff now to Walter, it's time for Pete Dunne to do other things, and I'm fine with that. And Walter's the right guy to be the champion of this promotion. So cool. So we've been giving Legero wins. The past few weeks. Only to have him get beat by Eddie Dennis here. Who came out to the ring dressed kind of like a a young boy going to Halloween and dressed up like a dragon. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what Eddie Dennis thinks that Eddie Dennis's ring attire is supposed (laughs) to be. It's a step up, admittedly, from... uh, Pickup basketball guy. The gym yeah. shorts. Yeah, yeah, but we're still adjacent to gym shorts, Eddie Dennis. Yeah, we're Dennis. still... Uh, uh, it's distracting. It, it, it's very rare, uh, especially when you're in the ring with Liguero, the guy with the overly large horns. It's rare for me to get this lost in someone's attire, but I found myself thinking about what the hell is Eddie Dennis wearing throughout this match. It also doesn't help that Eddie Dennis is just kind of boring. So Liguero has that great match with Mark Andrews. He gets that match against Joseph Connor, who I don't see much in. And you think they're giving Liguero a little bit of a rub here, only to yank it out against Eddie Dennis. I'm this this show is a bunch of guys for the most part. Yeah. They do stuff and they interact and then we get like Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams, and this was corny cheesy it was 1980s motivational let's go out there and have a training montage type stuff i i I understood it for what it was it was cheeky 
There's they're they're geeks. I understood it for what it was, but it wasn't funny even at what it was trying well, to be. If I'm judging it inside of the conventions of that, there's a much funnier 80s babyface training montage than that. It undercut what they were trying to do. They're they're trying to be, you know, serious training guys. And what they're really talking about is, hey, we've sucked all this time, but hey, we got a couple wins. Maybe we should get a tag team title match. And then we still kind of established along the way here that Amir Jordan is training averse. Yes. Right? Like, he he's only willing to do this training so that Kenny will go and ask for the title shot. It's not... Like, they could have done this a different way. Like, like let's establish, you know, we've got Kenny working out, Amir's trying to do stuff, and Kenny's like, look, Amir, if we're, if we're going to go for the titles here, you need to actually start working out. And then we do a lot of the same goofy, campy antics along the way here, but the end of the story is that Amir Jordan realizes the merits of working out and trying hard, and also, in parentheses, he's kind of a goofy guy. But we did have tag team greatness on this show, Chris. Yes, the Hunt came out and they defeated my other favorite team, Howley and Stoker. Um, very, very quickly here. There was I could have used a little bit more primate. I could have used a little bit more merciless beating of Howley and Stoker. Um, but this was great, and this is what we want, let, Jeff. This is what let we me came clear for. clear you out for a bit, and, and and have a little bit of a rant here. If we are going to just call them wild boar and primate, and drop the Mike Hitchman and Jay Melrose names, if we're going to do the metaphorical dehumanizing them and just making them animals, I do not want them running into the ring and then stopping to wait for the bell. I want them almost, I, I won't say road warrior style, but I will say. No, but the pace of their match needs to be. I frantic. will say sheep herders in NWA style when they were beating up jobbers where they would just come in and just you knew that these are two tough bastards who are just going to beat the crap out of a couple guys. Well, there needs to be no yes. restraint, yes. right? This is the yes. hunt. In the hunt, you don't restrain I want, yourself. I want, I want the referee almost frustrated that he can't get a handle of this ring, but he doesn't want to call it DQ type stuff. I want them I want Howley and Stoker running away. I want them trying to yes. run away from Primate yes. and Wild Boar and getting yes. cornered. And, and I want them exhibiting fear as though there is nowhere to go. Holy shit, what did we just walk into? Who are these guys? I want these two to be basically the moon dogs, you know, of 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 Memphis. I want them to go in there and just be the rabid animals. That 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 they are that they're telling you that these guys are because these guys have that once they get into that like the second half of this match, I absolutely love the entire tone of it. I don't want them doing suplexes necessarily. I don't want them doing technical wrestling. No, I want stylized stuff like uh, when they do the boar like spots and the primate like spots where he slaps yes. the ground as he's going and deliver a clothesline. I want that yes. kind of stuff, and I want more rough and tumble stuff outside. I want the kind of the movement pattern in this match to be a lot of people running away outside of the ring, running back inside the ring, getting hit with a big move. A big, nasty, stiff-looking move. I don't want any rest holds. I don't want slow, methodical tags. And so far as there's in-the-ring stuff, I want the hunt to be cornering these guys and just beating the tar out of them. I want them so in the into it that they're smacking each other sometimes. I, You know what? I, if... 
because they have what this show is desperately in need of, and that is personality. Energy! Personality. This show has no personality because it's all a bunch of, for lack of a better term, and this is no offense to my brethren in Europe over there, cheeky Brits who are being very cheeky all the time. And, and, but this one, this, these guys have some personality and something to them. The finisher needs a little work. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I was, uh, kind of like, okay. I mean, that spot is a great signature spot. That is not a finisher. Yeah, especially because Primate does nothing with it because it's supposed to be into a belly to back. No. And he, he just, just fell, catches him on the way fell. down. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. let's, let's think of something a little bit more vicious for them. I'm fine with that as a spot inside of their matches, but I, I basically want their matches populated with those kind of synergistic double yes. teams and then a better yes, finisher. Yes, but overall, a positive in my notebook for the hunt, a very good mid-card personality tag team. This is what I want. Love them. On the uh, figure four observer recap of this episode, this is funny. They have it listed as Cassius Yono pinning Amir Jordan. Apparently, Ashton Carter is so forgettable, or Ashton Smith is so forgettable that he's been mislabeled as Amir Jordan on here. Well, look, Cassius Ono asserting American dominance over its former former captors of, of uh, the United Kingdom. I'm all for... I'm all for just, just you know, showing Britain what's what. Ashton was a bad choice, oh, though, terrible. because the crowd kind of hates him and kind of enjoyed it when Cassius Ono laid him out the second time. Do you know why time. this crowd hates so, him, though? You need to do... Do you know why this crowd why? hates him? Why? Why do they hate him? Because he's, he's, again, no personality, just all, you know, here's my signature move to get the crowd into it. I was going to say, is it because whoop is an annoying it's sound? It's pandering. Yes. Well, it's pander. It's pandering, and it's an annoying sound that's not actually fun to make. No, it's not. It's it's actually anno- annoying, and also because uh, I think Marty Skrull does whoop a lot, but but with him, it's part of the personality and part of the package and part of the villain thing. With With Ashton Smith, it's a cheap attempt to get people behind him while he's doing... You know, flippy moves that make no sense. Yeah, he's just, he's got nothing. I, I mean, and, and you know, it's funny is that when he's less gimmicky, it's better. Because he is kind of a tall guy, and they need someone of his size, stature, dimension on this roster. But the over-the-top pandering stuff, it, it it's tedious is what it is. It insults people's yeah. intelligence. And I, I think the fan base doesn't care for it, and that's why they're cheering when Cassius Ono it's beats It's that 1986 white meat baby face, come on guys, cheer for me type of type of thing that that you know kind of went out out the window when grunge came in. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the unironic yeah. thing. Where yes, uh, yeah, okay, okay, I feel you. So then we get in our main event. Well, hold on, there's, Tyler there's one ba- more thing on, okay. on here that that's on my list. Oh yeah, 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 right. Gallus at a coffee bar discussing their dominance or lack thereof on this NXT roster. Can I say, I liked everything about this except what was actually said. Like I liked the way this. Yeah, actually, I like the this setup. This was yeah. Shot. The way that they kept going between Wolfgang and the Coffee Brothers and kind of, you know, the, hey, we're sitting down to have a come to Jesus meeting type of thing. I like that. 
But the dialogue here was terrible. We got to do something. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's no plan. <laughs> Don't, no, I, I actually love this. The idea of the Coffee Brothers having their meeting at the a coffee, coffee bar. It is, right. It, it, sits, it sits right on that beautiful line between a little bit silly and a little bit genius. And I'm with you. The way they shot it, it makes perfect sense. I, I like Joe Coffee as the meditative, scheming bad guy. He's a really good cast for that. But I'm with you. The content of what Gallus is doing is stupid. <laughs> the Coffee Brothers in a car drinking coffee. It's gonna be my new favorite Netflix show, but yes, it's it's like the, uh, <laughs> it's like um, what was I thinking of that that this was very similar? Oh, like Heat or Reservoir Dogs or something like that. But it's but they're not saying anything really important. It's just like, guys, you know what we really need to do? We really need to do something. And then it just cuts, and you're like, <laughs> we got to make a move. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I, I guess. Now's the time for it, our plan to go into action. This would be the point where you actually reveal yes, the plan. Yes. Right? Exactly. It's like, hey, you know that thing we were talking about where we were going to do this, this, and this? You know what? Now's the time to do that. Nope. Nope, all that all that great detail is eliminated. Now it's just like... Or you just tease what the plan is, where, like, Joe ends it with, remember what I've been saying? And, and both guys kind of nod at Joe. He's like, next week we start the plan. Let's make it more ridiculous. Let's give the plan a name. Yep, it's time for Operation... Barbarossa! Get Gallus back to being good again. Okay, <laughs> let's do that! <laughs> that sounds great, Joe! Perfect. All right, on three. <laughs> One, but two, that- three. Gallus, and they raise their hands up and they hit the light fixture. But the street clothes they weren't wearing, you know, NXT UK t-shirts. They looked dressed. It was shot well. I Joe's liked it. a good leader. He's got a thing. You've said this before, and I completely agree with you. There's a thing that Joe has. It's good. It's just what they're doing is bad. Yeah. I just, I, I, how come I'm like, man, I'm loving everything about the way the cinematography and the cuts and just Wolfgang not caring and eating eggs and drinking coffee or whatever the hell he was doing. And then it just didn't say anything. I just went, eh, all right. We got to do, we we need a plan. <laughs> and then we get to our main event, which is Tyler Bate versus James Drake. And I enjoyed this match. James Drake got nice little nuclear heat along the way here and has confirmed my theory that WWE does not like it when the crowd gets into profanities in their chance and doesn't quite know what to do with it when that happens. British audiences will always confuse the WWE because they love going into song, and if they're supporting someone that they don't want to be cheered for, they just kind of panic. But this is the match between the workhorse of Mustache Mountain, no offense to Trent Seven, versus the guy you can beat on the Grizzled Young Veterans. Which is yeah, bait has like a ton of ton of upside, right? I, I mean, this this guy's nothing but upside, and yeah, Drake is a beatable guy, and it fits in with the story. And on the way, commentary was sort of hitting those notes about how 
Zach Gibson wasn't so sure about James Drake, but James Drake was really the MVP in the match when they won the titles, and that's true, and that's how they booked that match, and they did a good job with that. But then you have Drake losing here, and, and you know, eventually when Gibson turns on Drake, he will point to some of these losses along the way and overlook some of the points where Drake was, in fact, pulling his weight for both of them. Tyler Bate is a fantastic professional wrestler. Um I still contend he's being wasted in this role. He should be. It's time to bring him back into the title picture. He's been out of it long enough. I realized Pete Dunne was the hot character at the time. And you didn't want to keep doing Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne into infinity, which is the other reason why I do think that a title change is probably impending here. And then at that point, you can bring Tyler Bate back into the picture. Tyler Bate versus Walter. That's I, for one, despite its sacrilegious tones, did enjoy. He's got the whole. He's got his whole face on his ass. I. I absolutely. I. (laughs) Because look, that's a fashion choice. Well, it's a reference to the Bray Wyatt chance. So he's got the whole world in his hands. I mean, yeah, it has religious connotations in, in that thing, but the way they've done it in WWE canon, it's about Bray Wyatt and that, and that's how it's been woven. Look, in. that was a fashion choice that James Drake made and individual responsibility is important to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was funny. I, I, above all else, I, I'm willing to forgive many sins if it's funny. Yes. Same here. I, you know, if it amuses me, I'm good. Much like uh, if you haven't seen it on New Japan World, kids, go watch that Cole Cabana versus Toru Yano match. It's eight minutes of absolute stupidity, and it's absolutely great. That's going to do it for this episode of Shake Them Ropes. We will be back on the Patreon side doing a premium episode, watching along a little bit of WCW Saturday night, perhaps on Saturday night. I do kind of like the watching Saturday night wrestling on Saturday night effect. I, I feel like I'm in a bit of a time machine when I'm in here in I the booth. I miss And you can find that at patreon.com slash shake them Yeah, ropes. I miss Saturday night wrestling on, on TBS every week. It was a nice comfort food type thing. I like that format. It, it's the right amount of wrestling and story advancement. And it's weird. As I've gotten older, I kind of enjoy the story advancement stuff in those eras even a little bit more than some of those matches. Oh, I miss squash matches. I do. I like those, too. Those squash are matches and promos. That's all I need in my life. You can follow me at CrapGame13 because I don't want that stupid carp game joke again. You can follow Chris <laughs> You just made the joke yourself. You, you self-owned. I know. I'm at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. My other shows, don'tworry.tv. We're coming up on episode 400, Jeff. We've already taped it, so episode 400 of Don't Worry About the Government will be available for your listening ears. You can hear it in a couple of days. 399 will be out before then. Check it out at don'tworry.tv and on iTunes and Stitcher. Yes, but do you have a plan?